welcome back to the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. It is episode 52. It's a pretty good number. And I am joined today by my guest, Spencer Tordoff. Hello. Aaron Thayer. Hello. And out in the far reaches of Japan, we have Doug Bonham. Hey, I'm still here. <laughs> it's, it's a relief. Uh, so today we're offering you a sneak peek inside the, the factory where the, uh, the game's journalism sausage is made, Ugh. which is about as gross as it sounds. And we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, how we're approaching the games of this year that we're going to be considering uh, for our Game of the Year feature. So those of you who've been following the site for a while, while probably know that we uh, maybe put an inordinate amount of effort into our game of the year feature uh we all take it pretty seriously which is you know there's a joke there about people taking games too seriously but uh we really try to craft a uh a top 10 list that we feel reflects the games that are most important from uh that year whether they um took the most risks uh or pushed things forward in a way that we feel is going to be significant years down the road uh and today we wanted to talk a little bit about how we're approaching the list at this point with the caveats, of course, that lots of us still haven't played a lot of the games that are should be considered, mm-hmm. and a lot of great games uh, potentially still have yet to come out as of the time of this recording. Uh, but to kick things off, uh, I wanted to pass the mic to Doug, who uh, hey. wanted to uh, let us look at the successor to the number two game from our 2012 list, uh, The Walking Dead Season 2. Yep. And I uh, guess I can start off with this one because it's one of the few... Like, so to to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit, we have a big Google Docs list that has what sort of a lot of the big games from this year and which games we are, which we've played and which ones we we want to support for our list so that when we go into our deliberations, we have some level of preparation. And I'm, to be honest, I, I am not as prolific at buying new games as, as Nick is, especially and some of the other guys. So I'm a little bit lower down and. I'm also my tastes are a little bit different so there's always you know the sports games or the racing games that have my stamp of approval and need convincing for everybody else but one of the few games I've played this year that I know will eventually come up into conversation is Walking Dead season two and I think if at least three of us have finished it I know Nick is looking to play it very soon and I think Spencer will be able to play it by the time we get to deliberations to start off with for myself it had really high expectations to me because season one is just, it's one of my favorite games of all time and how it ended up as number two in 2012 is because it was beaten out only by journey and journeys right up there as well. Like that, that's a hell of a list. That's a hell of a top two at the least. So having a second season and having expectations because you're using a main character from the first season, you're using Clementine and anybody who's played the walking dead understands what that means like you are using somebody who was a major major part of the first game not just using a side character you're using somebody who's part of one of the best relationships i've ever seen in an actual video game but it started rough and it continued a little rough but by the end of the season i was as emotionally invested almost as emotionally invested as in the first game. So for my opinion right now, I think barring a glut of amazing games, 
that Walking Dead should be in the conversation and could sneak into the top 10. That's because it's still a very solid title, just maybe not as groundbreaking as its predecessor was. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd agree with Doug that Season 2 started off a lot uh, rougher, more rough, r- the roughest of the two. <laughs> um, it, because that uh, hook of having Lee from the first game um, and you playing as Lee wasn't there because, you know, I'm sure everybody who's going to play the game has played it by now. Lee dies at the end of season one. Well, now you've ruined it. Sorry, Spencer. My bad. Um, But as Doug said, you move on to Clementine. It's just that episode one of um, season two, which Nick said he's played and that's all you've played so far, right? Yep. Uh, it, It really does not do a great job of keeping you interested uh, I think that they might have expected that everybody was so willing and ready for season two that they didn't necessarily have to put a lot of a narrative thrust in it. But it does absolutely get better. And without spoiling anything, by the time your Clementine, which uh, Telltale was... Hashtag. Yeah, hashtag, like my Clementine. Um, your Clementine, at the end of that story, is going to do some fucked up shit. Like, just being honest about that. And it's really, really good in a very horrible way to see how they're pushing this like now 12 ish year old girl, um, to do terrible things in a terrible world. The uh, best parts of the places. game are when they're self-aware about that as well. The best parts of the game are when they make reference to like, why are you talking with me about this? I'm just a little girl. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of that where Clementine has been forced to grow up. Um, that's probably the most rewarding part of season two. I saw, is she's forced to grow up so much totally changes her but there is that interplay between she is still a tiny young girl who will make stupid decisions as children do but also being forced to be an adult probably more of an adult than a lot of the adults in that group that she's with so that's where it does a good job later in the season Mm -hmm. so it sounds like from a narrative standpoint it doesn't just try to be a carbon copy of the first season because you know the shift to uh, the character, a minor as a character, is um, it, it changes the way that people interact with the player, changes the dynamic of their choices, and also like I would guess the emotional impact of the choices that you make. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I, so that that I get that part. Mm. Oh, sorry. Doug. No, I was gonna say I think what took me some time to get my head around as well is that the emotional timber and the emotional kind of center and where the story is going in season two is completely different from season one. Season one was all about a goal at the end, whereas season two doesn't quite have that center. That you know, in season one, the overarching goal was we're getting Clementine to go find her parents, and we you know everybody else their their own ways and means and what they wanted to do also met up with going to the same place, so that worked out fine. But this one, it's it's pressure from behind. It's a chase to keep moving and. The emotional center, the emotional reasoning in this game, or like I guess what I'm trying to say is like the motivation to keep going in this game isn't to find a target or find a goal. It's to it's self discovery. Survive. Well, not just survival, but it's self discovery on the part of Clementine. Yeah, I think if we look at it and um, thinking back on playing it and the tone that the the second season took, uh, maybe Telltale knew exactly what they were doing and the feelings that you have as playing Clementine are 
absolutely not just the story isn't as engaging, but you feel lost and you feel um, uh, disoriented and you don't necessarily feel equipped as a player to handle it. Whereas, uh, and that's reflecting her world where she is now without the only parent she was left with, Lee. So they do a good job of actually managing that and then slowly pushing her into a form of decision-making and adulthood with really serious consequences. Uh, The first episode just didn't succeed where they almost used it as, this is a little girl, so we're going to have really messed up stuff happen to her where she basically, what happens when she's in the shed? She like nails her hand, or no, she has the the, Um, the dog bite. No, she she has to... um... Uh, it's the first episode. She has to. Um, she so she has to clean the wound, and, clean stitches, the wound right? and stitch herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that like, was just which, to me, which didn't... leaves the other characters that become the group you're in with just like the verbal ex- equivalent of a low, respectful whistle. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I will say that I was really looking forward to season two, and maybe that's part of my problem. But I also think that Telltale really encouraged. Uh, people to look forward to it with the fact that they were at least this 400 days add-on to the first season mm-hmm. uh, kind of a, a weird bridge uh, narrative between what happened at the end of season one and introducing all the characters origin stories for season two well that's um, not what it actually ended up achieving yeah that was which is very underutilized yeah. yeah i feel like that was a failure at getting me to care about those characters and the lack of like any meaningful interplay with how season two episode one played out kind of left a sour taste in my mouth so like exactly and that's what the biggest problem with season two is and this is what might hurt it when we come to talk about it mm -hmm. is in the end by the end of the season again without spoiling it you feel as if every additional character who really are all adults aside from um her one friend who is close to her age um, are pretty much there to just be killed or maimed or hurt. There's a lot of red shirts in this season. Yeah, just and it feels like that is their way of getting around, as Doug's putting it, like this emotional connection, that without having this parental role between child and a father figure in Lee, uh, we'll just have her go through this really horrible crap and see if the players feel bad about that, and that's the best emotion that we'll give them. And that doesn't mm. necessarily hold up over five episodes. Yeah. Okay. Um, my last question. Mechanically, is there any innovation or any change to the way you thought about approaching the core gameplay of exploration, conversations, and uh, decision-making that substantially uh, improved upon or changed the way you played the game from the first season? No. Not terribly. It's not terrible, but it's also not necessarily a mechanics-driven game, which what which is why the story... You can you can forgive it not being a, a mechanics like revolution if the story's really good, and that's why it's such a disappointment that the story is a letdown. And they put far more quick time events and action sequences in this game than the first one. Well, they was... also they 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 learned in the first season what works and what doesn't. And you know, for example, like the shooting sequences in the first season not so good. In the second season, they tightened the the needs for those they they pared them down and they also made the the sequences that are in the game that are action based a lot better maybe maybe i'm just a masochist in this sense but i would rather watch a video of that happening or a cutscene than even though yes the the shooting element which in a telltale game is just like a uh, 
miming of shooting. It doesn't feel like shooting in a game feels. Right. It is better, but it's still so unnecessary to just... It's almost like it's there to wake the player up who might be kind of daydreaming through the dialogue and to force them to go, oh yeah, hey, pay attention to zombies coming at you, you better shoot it. Yeah, that, that's, that caught me at least once scene. or twice. That that yeah. definitely did catch me one time or two times during the season. So they have so get, more of that, and it's yeah. not an innovation at all. Sure. Let's um, move on and continue down our list. What? So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys are really, really high upon, because I think I want to try and get working towards a backlog, <laughs> backlog of these games that you guys think are going to be up high up the list very soon you know if i if i have the chance to buy some of them i'm going to start looking at that very quickly yeah i'd actually be curious to hear if you don't mind uh from spencer since uh it sounds like walking dead isn't necessarily his cup of tea but what are you uh looking at at this point sure well uh walking dead is really just not on my list because i haven't played it yet and i need to set aside some time um in the next couple months here to just go through and play the entire thing um as far as my list is concerned, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm mostly just really bummed that Kentucky Route Zero um, isn't going to finish this year because yeah. um, that would be an instant. Like I would go all the way to the mat just to to make that um, be number one. Um, so if I'm to go down my what about um, South Park? You here. talked about South Park. I have talked about South Park, and, you know, I really, really love it. Uh, I, I mean, technically, it's a very similar game to things like, uh, I guess, Paper Mario has been invoked, uh, the Penny Arcade games. It's uh, the same style of combat, you know, kind of simplified RPG with some quick-time uh, components. But the writing in it is just so fantastic. I mean, it is really like an extended episode of the show and whether or not that makes it a great game, I don't know. Um, but it does make it a really great experience, at least if you're well, a fan of South park. Mm -hmm. Actually, you, you make a good point of saying it feels like an extended episode or even, um, kind of like the first South park movie a little bit. Uh, and that's remarkable. And if we're talking about, uh, games that are, different or change things in a year and how important that is it's hard for me to see this as a game of the year but i really did love it and i can't not emphasize how it really did feel like a south park proper game and not just here is a game with south park in it it felt like south park yeah. Yeah, which historically, I it's mean, uncanny. most games, most games about South Park have just been like, oh, look, here's right. this game, and there's South Park in it, like the 64 game, oh, the tower defense they did, and everything. Uh, yeah. So, no, it well, does, I mean, the tower defense they nailed game was better. It. The 64 game was hot garbage. It was okay. a super well, 64, 64 game. South Park. Games. That's, that's good to know. The point here is they actually nailed it. Like, they made it feel like the show, and that's, I mean, yeah. that's really remarkable. Um, it's a technical achievement, no question. Like, uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. was perfectly captured. And uh, I don't know that I would like push for it high on the list. Um, I'd probably want to see it around, like, I don't know, uh, seven or eight. But I d- still think it deserves to be on there, just for what it represents as far as crossing over between, um, in this case, television and games. Yeah, it sets mm-hmm. a pretty high bar so, for IP. Mm-hmm. Big time, so let, big time. Let me play devil's advocate here for a moment because okay. I really, really Which game was that? Game. I, uh, no. Devil's Advocate, no. uh, better it's known Tyler's as Tyler's favorite. Two. It's another. It's um, an Itagaki game. So yeah, right. Uh, 
I really love Stick of Truth. I played through it in I think three days, and that's crazy for me. I just could not get enough of it. And like I'm, I'm kind of a fair weather South Park fan. I've seen a lot of the episodes, but I, when when I see a bad one, I kind of lose my interest in a while for a mm-hmm. while. Um, I thought that your what you said is absolutely true. It's amazing how well all that humor translated to a very playable game. Uh, you, what you said about like setting a high watermark for TV adaptations to games makes me wonder like is that are, is that something we should be striving towards with games do we want games to be more like TV shows I don't know that aren't they I mean, already I, I understand that however uh, at the same time isn't it an inevitability especially in our society that these properties are going to get ported over I mean how many fucking Iron Man games have there been <laughs> And all of them are complete garbage. They're completely terrible. Uh, if if this is going to happen, which again, I do view it as an inevitability, why not try to uh, have the highest quality experience possible, one that really draws on the series and is, is enjoyable? I mean, um, I, I guess, <laughs> you know, if it's going to happen, why not make the best of it? Yeah, and that's fair. I, I it think has, um, it has totally happened, though. And I would rather have TV being an influence than movies like they have been the last 10 years on games. Mm-hmm. I think it's well, a I was, product. It makes more sense. I was going to argue that Mass Effect 2 actually is the most TV like or major game that I've seen in a while because of the episodic ish nature of going out on the different recruiting missions and how it's kind of consolidated into a small story arc, but then there's the whole season, the whole game's story arc as well. Yep. I could see that. Yeah. I could see That's that. Good point. Um, I think there are some. There are definitely some parallels in pacing from what you'd expect from like a twenty-hour retail game and a full season of a TV show. Mm-hmm. And in that regard, South Park is in terms of pacing, in terms of story beats, is dead on. I think. Yeah. So that's, Telltale, that's good. True Detective game. But looking oh, at man. it purely, purely as a video game, yeah, I know. Like <laughs> this game is a flat circle, but uh, purely as a uh, role-playing game. This is a worse Paper Mario than Paper Mario. Yeah, I'd agree. And I feel like that—that's the sticking point. I keep. No, I never, on. I never played Paper Mario, so I don't have that um, to fall back on. Um, I don't know. I found it very enjoyable. I kind of like that they had a little branching storyline to it. Um, it's definitely one that I'm going to be discussing a lot. Uh, that being said, there's a few that aren't coming out or um, that I need to play still. Um, one that I just recently had the opportunity to play the whole version of, um, and I just want to confirm that it is a release this year, Sports Friends? Yeah, yeah it's on PS4. Okay, yeah, and that PS3 came... And PC. And so that finally actually released this year. Yeah, it was yep. just a... Uh, it is this month a free PlayStation Plus game on PlayStation 4. I, I, I really just want to confirm it's a 2014. If it is, um, that's going to be high on the list for me. Yeah, um, I will go to bat for that. Absolutely. and the, Solely the, on the merits of Joust, but all those games are great. I mean, Joust is just spectacular for what it represents, you know, mm-hmm. being kind of something outside the space of what we would normally consider a video game. So, um, to the non-person uh, aware, Joust, do you mean Johann Sebastian Joust? What's Johann this Sebastian friends, Joust. What's this uh, so, Johann Sebastian Joust is a game, I believe, for, I want to say, up to 16 people. Um, uh, the retail, the version available, I think, is up to 7. Up to seven, okay. And then uh, there have been developer-made versions that go higher than that. But um, what it is, is it plays primarily with the Move controller. Apparently you can use a 6-axis or um, whatever the PS4 controller is, but it's ideal for the Move. Um, 
each player gets a controller, and then the objective of the game, the game is entirely not played on the screen. Um, The sound coming from it dictates what uh, speed you're able to move at uh, without triggering your device. You're attempting to jostle your opponent's controllers to cause them to uh, drop out of the game. Yeah. While keeping yours from getting shaken. Yep. You want to be the last person with a steady hand, basically. Precisely that. Um, so that is, uh, again, it falls very much outside the context of what we would ordinarily consider um, video games. But in doing that, it is just perfect. It is really just uh, incomparable. So I've heard of it getting really heated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it it gets pretty wild. I mean, there was a game I played last year at PAX that was um, one of the developer-released versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so around, um, I think it was like 16 people playing at a time, wow. and it was spectacular. It was really, really cool. It had a team mechanic in a game that large, um, where one player was the traitor, um, and then the, otherwise the color dictated what side you were on and who you were trying to uh, to kill. Oh, that's um, so cool. It was so really like- awesome. Introducing elements of, like, Mafia or Werewolf into... Exactly. And, again, for what it was, it was just magnificent. It was so much fun to play. I'm pretty sure that the seven- or eight-person limit is due to hardware on the PS3 and PS4, not necessarily on the game itself, because I think the systems only support so many Bluetooth devices. Yeah, unfortunately, PS4 only does four devices, and PS3 does seven. Yeah. And if that... I mean, if it... Uh, if it was possible to like network systems together to uh, to end up doing basically the same thing, like it would just be amazing. Like I would mm-hmm. take, you know, three PlayStation threes to the park, oh man, and get them all set up together and and play that with as many people as possible. That takes me yeah. back to the days where people would get together to play Gran Turismo three over like six systems over a system <laughs> land yeah. on exactly. Firewire on but Firewire. again on a, on a in a public park in a public Not park, in a public I, park I, but yeah. I watched uh, the performance of um, Johan Sebastian Joust at PAX last year. I think it was the one that Spencer's talking about that he played, at least one of those I saw him uh, play. And uh, what I liked about it is I had no idea what was going on. And that's really hard for me to have that feeling in games anymore because <laughs> I can look at a trailer or a gameplay and having played so many games over the course of my life, pretty much determine what's going on. It's not that hard, mm-hmm. but seeing this as a performance piece was fascinating. But I, I guess I felt um, afterward and now not having ever actually played it, um, just so. It seems like a high barrier of entry, even if you can use six-axis controllers and move stuff. Like, where am I short of going to a setup match, uh, or in the park or something, an event, basically? to play it am i going to play it and for me being that type of person who likes to have more of the single player and then like co-op i want to award the game for its uh ingeniousness but it just seems like such a performance art piece that it's hard for me to like how how do i talk about the game how do we leverage that against other games this year on on our list so that's um an excellent point is that you do have to have a um you have to have a, a play group to actually try it out. However, 
Um, that is why I wanted to specify Sports Friends as an entire package, because mm-hmm. uh, the other three games in Sports Friends, and the names are evading me, I'll have them here in a moment. Barabari um, Ball, Super Pole Riders, and uh, Hakra. And they are all fantastic group games. Uh, I actually played, just the other day, My um, uh, some of my friends got the game on their PS3, and it is... Uh, just a great set of games. I mean, the space that we were in was too small to play Joust, but it was, um, I mean, just the, the balance of those games. Bari Bari Ball is kind of a, like, soccer meets, I want to say... It's like beach volleyball, but with low gravity. With low low gravity and characters who are punching and kicking oh. each other. Um, <laughs> and then there's uh, uh, Pole Riders, which is just the silliest thing. I've ever seen. And then the last one, um, which is, it's kind of like table hockey almost, uh, mixed with football, but the balance in it is just magnificent. It's really, really good. And, uh, yeah, it's just like beyond compare, easily the best, um, couch experience I've just had all year. I would say that and Towerfall are giving me a run for my money Uh-oh. in terms of local multiplayer bliss. Mm-hmm. And I think that brings me to a point that we need to consider, which is that increasingly, if we're going to cover the indie space and really just sample the full palette of games out there, uh, so much of it is situational now. Like, we, we're leaving an arrow from, you know, the PS2, PS3, and so on, where so much of what you played was either single player or online multiplayer. And we're almost regressing back into this, you know, the era of the 16-bit and 64-bit where uh, so much of it was local multiplayer. The Golden Eyes, the Super Mario Karts, all that stuff. Street Fighter 2. And uh, that's great, I think, in terms of diversity of games because you still have these great focused single-player games and multiplayer online experiences. But as critics, especially those of us who are in different locations with different, you know, opportunities to play these games... It's a lot harder to build a consensus as a uh, single publication. Yeah. yeah. It's no, not like... that I wouldn't enjoy these experiences and performances. I bet that I would. But if I can't play them, then how can I? Uh, yeah. It's hard to determine if that's a valuable experience to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would the... love to do a roadshow and bring these <laughs> games to you guys with like a posse, but it's not super easy, especially when Japan is way the hell over that ocean. Yep. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, big I've time. got. I think I've got space, and I think we'll be able to play some of the sports friend stuff, but I don't know if Joust is going to happen just based off of space. Yeah, uh, that's totally fair. And, I mean, this is just kind of a a rough year for it, too, because you have Towerfall, which is very, very good. Uh, You have Sports Friends, which is my pick, at least so far. And then there's another one that I believe is coming out this year, um, uh, Sports Ball. And I'm very excited about that, too. And it is, again, (laughs) a local multiplayer experience. So, And then there's also some games that are great, too, like Needhog, which is, you know, that that should be played with somebody on a couch. I I have to watch it be played by Giant Bomb. It looks amazingly fun. But I don't have the... It's the best spectator game I've seen. Yeah. And then, of course, Mario Kart 8, which is not necessarily on everyone's list, but it is also another great split-screen game. And, you know... Well, unless you're doing more than two people. Then it runs like shit. Mm. I thought I thought it seemed fine, but you know that's uh, that's noticed. just me. But uh, that being said, uh, as as difficult as that is for us as a publication to deal with, I just want to th- say I am thrilled that this is a thing again because mm-hmm. it just died Amen. off so thoroughly. 
And now it's back, and that's awesome. I love couch multiplayer. I am all about it. I'm, it's the best. I'm eager to be uh, persuaded to get into that. As a kid, I mostly, I think the only couch co-op sort of stuff I used to play was GoldenEye and a few games like that. But I've always been such a solitary gamer, having grown up as an only child. And then, um, I mean, it sounds bad saying this, but not a lot of kids in my class were able to get new games. It just mm-hmm. affluence that I was fortunate enough to grow up with that I was able to play a lot of this stuff. So I don't not want to play these more couch co-op or performance multiplayer games, but I'm just not inherently acclimated to them. So it doesn't, it, it isn't where your taste traditionally lies and that's not, yeah. a, that's not good or bad. That's just where it is. But I'm eager to be pushed out of the comfort zone to try it. <clears throat> I mean, it's it's good to hear. I yeah. think that these are all positive trends. Um, and like Spencer said, like I couldn't say it any better. Like this is the fact that the games like this are now in vogue and coming out strong. Like that's great. Like keep keep them coming. I just think it's gonna be interesting when we come down to the time to finalize a list and we're like, well, we all played Smash and we all played Mario Kart and those are local multiplayer games. What about these slightly more esoteric or hard to set up ones that some people argue offer a much more interesting, original, and meaningful experience? Mm-hmm. So it'll be, I don't know. I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, I wanted to ask if anyone has a, what we call like a traditional AAA game that they just feel really strongly about and think uh, warrants consideration. Because uh, we're looking at like our past top lists, we often give the top spot to a big budget triple a game like you know red dead redemption elder scrolls 5 skyrim that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but we also have recently given a lot more credence to journey for example was our game of the year previously and uh ftl faster than light was uh in the number three spot that year as well so uh just curious is anyone looking at a big budget game for a top spot this year uh several that haven't been released yet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that's the thing we'll is that we're also like what what has been released so far that we think would be a triple A title that we could be up there. Um, it seems like we at least three of us on the site love Wolfenstein: The New Order. Um, I don't know so. that's a top spot game though. I mean, I no. loved okay. it and I really loved how self aware it was. It's it's a great game, but I do not see it in the number one. I believe Nick yeah. and Aaron would be pushing for Destiny. Mm-hmm. that's a good conversation <laughs> i mean you guys have talked about destiny I'm, a lot uh, i know that your opinions have changed uh it just keeps climbing up my list i don't know how to so say it, but... i'm glad that you say that nick because i told you i told you <laughs> <laughs> no i uh i um so yeah it's what now two weeks after release right yeah at the time of this recording so almost three weeks um and, you know, with any MMO, we're at the point now that people have already, like, cleared the highest level content, and they're all starting to get these high-level characters and great gear. So uh, you, being me, and probably Nick, too, these these casual players that are playing here and there, this is where the beauty of the game is coming in, is it is pick up and then put down, pretty simply. You can grind mm-hmm. out a mission or a strike, which, again, are the dungeons. We talked about this last week. Um, and just do one and then you're done. Maybe half an hour of play, which there are a lot of games that do that, but there aren't a lot of MMOs that even though they, they encourage it more and more, and they did the last time I was playing them a few years back, 
you still are tied to that subscription fee, at least at the time. A lot are free to play now, but yeah, um, that is the beauty of Destiny as a shooter, having that element as an MMO and having rewards come out of it because you could just go play a co-op game or a multiplayer match in Halo or something, but unless you were really invested in that multiplayer, then maybe you're not getting as much out of it, but if you are that loot hunting type person, you will get something palpable out of doing these small events. So they do a really good job of keeping the player interested by having these gating mechanics to keep playing, but it's still satisfying the more you play it, in my opinion. And at, and at the same time, the way that they just completely drop the fucking ball on narrative coherence altogether <laughs> just grows more and more excusable, inexcusable in my mind. Like, yeah. There is no reason why the grimoire couldn't have been integrated, which is where all your like notes and like what you think of as your codex entries that you get in like a Mass Effect, the things that kind of color the world. There's no reason why those couldn't be included in the game and make them part of the cohesive experience. Yeah. Because as it stands, all the narrative is basically shoveled off to a website or a phone app. Every time you yep. kill a hundred or so of these uh, enemies or you go to this new area, you get this little banner on the bottom that pops up like, new grimoire card unlocked, go to bungie.net to look at it. It's like an advertisement. And it has the same effect of that, that you ignore it. And unless you are like Nick, and I've read a couple myself, um, you're not probably going to read that. And I think that they knew that, but it is sad that, that Bungie, as you're saying, didn't put more effort into getting the players invested in the lore. Because despite the problems of World of Warcraft and how much you can make fun of it, it at least had a strong base of lore for those who were playing the game just for that, that they could be playing that and be satisfied by the story. Mm-hmm. So that that is the one downside to Destiny. I don't know if it's a top game, top three, but as I'd said before, I'd be willing to put it in the bottom half and maybe towards the middle of that. And and that's um kind of an interesting thing this year is like, does anyone have something that they really want to see in the number one spot? Because I, I feel like we've had a lot of games yes. that are just really? in the bottom end. That everyone's like, oh, you know, it was all right. There's there's yeah. nothing that's grabbed you to be number one with the bullet quite yet. I mean, uh, Sports Friends is up there for me. Uh, I feel right. like uh, Civilization uh, will probably be up there. Sid Meier's me. not Alpha Centauri. So, yeah, when <laughs> Sid Meier's not quite Alpha that, Centauri. Yeah, when we yeah. put that article up, I'm going to have to, to correct all of the Alpha Centauri names that you put in there in place. Yeah, it's going to happen. Five beyond. I mean, like, like the moment that moment that game comes out, somebody is going to make all of the factions from Alpha <laughs> Centauri, at which point I'm going to immediately download that. And then uh, like, Oh, I don't even um, know what the regular factions are. You guys, I think, <laughs> I think partially this is because there's some big games that haven't come out yet. Partially because there's nothing that's been huge. That's grabbed us, but also like Mario Kart eight is a, it's not an indie title. Super Smash Brothers just came out on 3DS in Japan. It's going to be out in Japan and America by the time we're doing our discussions. That's not an indie title. That's like, true. Are these possibilities we could be looking at for the top spot? No. No. Mario Kart, so? not so much. I mean, I, I really like it. Looking at the nature of, like, they're, they are, from what I can tell, the best iterations on those games, for my money, I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, no question, that is the pinnacle of Mario Kart and Smash Brothers. But... When we look at like what this list is meant to do, it's meant to stand the test of time, like a good civilization. Right. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, look for I see what space. Top spot. No, um, it's it's meant to say like if in this year of games, here were the most significant, noteworthy, and biggest accomplishments mm-hmm. that we recognize as a group. 
in this list of a lot of the mid card in this list of a lot of yeah it's, this, this deserves to be in the top 10 but nothing's really punching its way to the there top is, like there is this, one w- there is what, one what, that what is I will that? be pushing for and that's Shovel Knight mm. I it absolutely is... believe in that game no matter it, the fact that it is completely successful on the back of 8 and 16 bit, bit games that were clear influences on the game that has been probably one of the most, if not the most satisfying game experiences I've had this year, and at least in memorable terms. So importance, if we weigh that as we steadily have been more and more, like what was more important, just mm-hmm. as Nick's saying with Mario Kart 8 being iterative, which is why I pushed two years ago to have Nintendo Land on the list, even though it made uh, the 10th place, it wasn't a traditional Nintendo game, but it did things with a Nintendo property that was interesting. So yep. that's why it deserved to be there. I agree that something like Mario Kart 8 or probably Smash Brothers won't really deserve a spot because they're not going to do much, but we've also had the games that you know I'll, I'll take my responsibility for, like Skyward Sword and Skyrim that didn't really do much new, but were great games all the same. Mm-hmm. So if we have to balance that as we normally do in these lists, I really, really believe in Shovel Knight being a top game. I don't okay. know if the top, but... It is the best game I've played all year. I will say that. I'm, yeah, it's... I'm looking forward to try and, like, would you recommend me just go get it on Steam right now, or wait get for the 3DS. 3DS version? Okay, because oh, I have a Japanese Japan. 3DS. I need Japan. to double-check when it's due. Oh. Okay, if it's out this year, get it on 3DS. It looks excellent on 3DS. I got a chance to play get a chunk of it. Um, but it's great on PC, too. So, uh... Yeah, Shovel Knight is perhaps the best game that I totally missed the boat on from the perspective of um, it's that era of game. Like, they've perfected the era of game that I would have been playing as a kid if I had not been playing on an 8088 <laughs> instead. And so if they made it, like, in three colors and it was really shitty, I'd be like, yeah, that's my jam. But if Terry um, Kavanaugh made it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But it's it's just not, uh, like, it's too tall. It's frankly too difficult for me I, I do not have the hours of practice in that style of game in order to be any good at it hey, you know what's so i'm happy i bought it what's more difficult what? is playing that game with a uh 140 hertz refresh rate monitor and a known Ugh. bug that they patched out that doubled the speed of the game oh fuck and i didn't know that <laughs> i didn't know that for a week and i was really pissed and i finally tweeted that yacht club games and they said yeah that's a bug so <laughs> wow that game oh, got significantly think... easier after that. <laughs> That's think, um. Think... Oh, Sorry, uh, no problem. Um, I, I actually remember having a similar issue with uh, Unreal Tournament on newer systems because they just tied the clock to the speed of the processor, thinking, <laughs> "Oh, you know, the, they'll never encounter a processor so fast it'll <laughs> outrender the game." And then, yeah, yeah. that happened. Four hundred um, megahertz portal. Yeah, right. We got this covered. Um, but anyway, uh, so. Uh, on the other side of that, uh, the Smash Brothers and the Mario Karts and everything, and yeah, they're going to be great. Yeah, they're probably going to place. Um, we have been yeah. playing those games literally for 10 years, in the case of Mario Kart 20. Um, yeah. And they're just better versions of the previous game. Yeah. And that deserves to be recognized. It does not mean it belongs on the top 10, or in the top 5, specifically, because yeah. that's that's where right. we like to put our really, you know, primo that's the favorite cutoff, games. Really. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, it's an achievement to iterate on a game that consistently well, but 
And to make it relevant again. Yeah. That's yes. a big thing. Exactly. Big time. And Mario but, Kart, I think, succeeded. Yeah, but uh, but nevertheless, that does not necessarily snag it a, a top spot. So. No. Um, if I'm to then, you know, take us back out to the, the final layer, is, is there a AAA game that I really want to see um, at the top of the list? Again, besides Civilization, I can't really think of anything. And Civ is, like, if it pulls it off, mm-hmm. it may not. Um, I guess maybe Alien uh, Isolation. Yeah. If if it's really good, because it would be, like, the first really good Alien game in several years if they managed to do that. Or it would be the only the... Alien game. Well, it would be That's the only true. one because the only good one is also Alien vs. Predator. Yeah, on the arcade Capcom one, specifically. The arcade one, yeah. Yeah. Also, to, to to wrap things up quickly, or to not wrap things up, but to bring it back for a second, I, I've seen, or I looked online, and Shovel Knight appears to be a ways off for Japan, so... It's worth playing in, in a form. I mean, Right, I, yeah. So I may have to find a copy on computer to be, or soon. You can almost certainly scoop that on a Humble or Steam sale yeah. come, yeah. like, November. It looks and... great in 1920 by 1080. Yeah. That, I've played through it twice now. I think it's just exceptional i i can't tell how much of that is me remembering all the, the times i played Mega Man 2 and 3 as a kid just love that style of platformer yeah but i don't think it, you're it feels I, modern i think you should give yourself credit that i don't think it's just a nostalgia element um uh, for me i never could beat honestly the Mega Man on nes or a lot mm-hmm. of the classic sort of um side scroller action shooter type games they were harder for me aside from mario um so shovel knight being a game that i stuck through and adapted to and learned the mechanics um everything about that game pushed me to enjoy it and even if i felt i wasn't going to be good at it so that says a lot about the game itself not just nostalgia i think yeah but i think that for me since I've spent the year focused so much more on making games and thinking about how they're built, how they're designed, uh, what stood to me as being so noteworthy about Shovel Knight is not just how fun it was to play, but how big a role the refined, immaculate, in my opinion, design yeah. mm-hmm. uh, made that happen. Like, for every step of the way, the progress, the way that levels unlock, the interface, and really, like, the last, the way it concludes, I think, is just. It got me to care about what, you know, we're basically like just eight robot masters. They're basically just goofy pastiches mm-hmm. of ideas. And like it characterized everything in such a unexpectedly like interesting way that the last boss felt like impactful, felt yeah. meaningful. And it kept me wanting to play. I um I totally agree with that. So I'm very much interested in championing that later this year. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. um when we were originally being asked about AAA... I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Dark Souls yet, Nick. I think it's because I know Bloodborne is only five months out. <laughs> so and you're getting you're more excited for Bloodborne, year. and is it maybe a little bit of um, like what happened with uh, Walking Dead, where the previous version just stands out too much versus the newer one? Yeah, I think it's it's my remorse that we didn't recognize Demon Souls or Dark Souls the years they came out because we just weren't playing them. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, those I, were the better games. I, I need to go back and get that or re-download the copy of Demon Souls that I have via PS Plus and give it a chance, but I'm still very skeptical of that type of game. I uh, I think it's it's hard to explain. I think you could if you were like me and you haven't completed any of the other previous games, which I don't think you have, Doug, have you? Nope. 
No, I haven't um, even played any of them. I, okay. I I am turned off and I am disinterested in the concept and the things. Hearing things like you need to play them, you need to experience them. Oh, you don't get it because you haven't done it. That makes me even kind of more no, wary. Totally right. It sounds like hipster bullshit, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah, you're you're totally right, that. and that's what I heard for years since 2009. You just won't really understand games right. until you play them, man. But then um, it, you just don't get late Radiohead, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's because um, nobody me, should get late Radiohead. I'm kind of boom. Oof. I like it. Hi, oh, get, get the fuck at me! I was about to defend you here. Um, <laughs> it, in that, I I just don't think I have the patience for that style of game. Like I, you would with Dark some... Souls too. That's what I was trying to say. Is um, if you're like me and you're being told that you have to have played them and you try and you fail miserably, Dark Souls Two for whatever reason is more welcoming and it finally, in my opinion, teaches people how to play the series who maybe weren't that good at it, and that's a good thing. And it almost yeah. makes me want to now go back and play the other two. So it was more fun than the other two. Yeah. No question. And no, more that, accessible. And that is, this is special. It's on Steam Share. Yeah. Yeah, it but I'm Steam Share. It's it's it. tempting. I'll look into it again. I've got this couple months at the end of the year. Um we'll see what happens. We'll make you an offer okay. Spencer. It will cost you nothing to play it other than your time. Whereas for me, I Which, think Which granted the, is like 50 hours a piece. Yeah, for me, I don't know how much it is on PSN right now, but um I could probably find a disc copy for pretty cheap because they sold a lot of copies and a lot of them are back at retail and as used copies now in Japan, but that's all in Japanese, I think. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of dialogue, though. No, I mean, the but menus. menus. Hmm. Okay, a lot of weird stuff I don't know how to read very well and don't necessarily want to look up the, the FAQs for to make sure I'm doing the right thing <laughs> on it. Fair enough. Here's a tip. Like, just, um, this, is, this, already, this already is a game that sounds like it <laughs> has a... Just, this already has a frightening entry difficulty to it. I don't want to add... My Japanese ability into it as another barrier, yeah. Okay. Well, hey, PS3 is region free, right? Yes. So if I get a disc or the PSN copy, then it would work. But I can send you my Dark Souls. That might work. Done. Let's talk. Um, As far as AAA goes for me, just to bring this back in. Yeah, like to finish Dark Souls 2 thought, I I had a lot of fun with it. It was a very well-made game. I would say it's objectively mechanically better than the previous games. I, I'm trying to struggle as a as a critic versus a fan. Like, mm-hmm. why it didn't really feel as significant to me as playing Dark Souls 1. I, I can't tell if it's I thought the environment was, like, richer or more foreboding and engrossing in the first game. Or the second felt too much like a retread of that. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm just, like, if I was expecting some, some sort of nebulous miracle from it. But, I mean, I think it's great if this is the game that we recognize for making that style of game uh, so so great and i'm there's, okay with there's it. a grand tradition in the academy awards of a later movie making up for the sins of the academy not acknowledging the right. work of an author or work of a director earlier so like like return of the king or yeah like <laughs> there's say revenge of the jedi or <laughs> yeah there's revenge of the sith or hackers yeah <laughs> or fucking crash so we would not be the only I ones like to movie. overlook the first or oh, even sorry. second version of something that's really good in order to put the third one over and, and we finally like the lifetime achievement award sort of thing for this. Here's yeah. okay. Would you look, consider... look Bloodborne out next year? Yeah, that's what I was going to, I bet that that will be the game. So it seems like the uh, dark souls one and two 
aside from the property and the IP rights that Sony mm-hmm. has to Demon Souls, were iterations to improve upon Demon Souls two, yep. improved upon Demon Souls one or whatever, a Dark Souls one. So yes, they were steadily better, but I think that they were waiting to make changes and to kind of go a different direction with the gameplay with something like Bloodborne. So that might mm-hmm. be the game that actually mm-hmm. sh- gives you what you were talking about, Nick. And hopefully that's the case where it's yeah. it's something new within that framework rather than just slightly better iterations of the previous games. Yeah. But looking the, the interface, at... Mm, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the interface is just familiar enough to feel like a Souls game, mm-hmm. but and the controls feel like you'd want them to, but the way that it plays and the way that you explore the environment you're in, the way you fight enemies, the way you look around and read for threats, from the 15 minutes I played, felt like a substantial move forward. And that's why I'm, I'm really holding out hope for Bloodborne. I'm yeah. going to try and take a look at Bloodborne tomorrow at TGS. Haha, <laughs> yes, Good. I can say that and actually mean it. But um, I don't know <laughs> if I'll be able to play it just because that, that promises to be the, one of the scarier lines at TGS on the public day. People died very fast at PAX. I got in in about 20 but, minutes. But I cannot guarantee that they will run things the same way in Japan. And that's also, true. if there's anything AAA that's going to hold interest in people it's gonna that's playable, I can't remember if Final Fantasy is playable or not, but this would be one of the things that is. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, And again, it's a public day, so it's like much like PAX. And even, yeah. I, I, I don't know if they're going to kick people off after dying or not like they did with the other one. So, Nick, do you... Uh... Do you consider um, Hearthstone AAA? Yes, <laughs> I do. I know it's a small team compared to like every other Blizzard game. It's only like fifty people instead of five thousand who are all chained to desks. But Hearthstone is still like it's got big studio backing. It's got big studio infrastructure running it. Um, I guess that would be a AAA game that I would be gunning for. That shit's running on Unity. Shit's running on Unity. Huh. Um, I still want to. I, I need to play more conference. of it. I need to channel my current card game phase into playing that instead of playing the dumb thing. Um, <laughs> still I think just that your game is less dumb, there. actually. <laughs> but here, let's let's t- look, talk about something else. Like, if we're talking about AAA stuff, still maybe not what we've played so far. But do we see anything yeah. coming out in this big clump of the fall that is going to be interesting? Like Dragon on Age, our list, Shadow well, of Mortal. On our list, we've got Assassin's Creed, uh, Sunset Overdrive. Um, Call of Duty, no. Um, Dragon Age. Say, say the name. Call That's Spacey. on the dock. No, COD Bro, Advanced Bro Fair. Thank you. I, I don't. Or um, got, where did it go? Shadows of Kevin Shadows Spacey of Mordor. Middle Earth. <laughs> yep. Shadows of Mordor does look legitimately good. And I just read that the uh, the writer from Red Dead Redemption is doing the story treatment for that. Oh, cool. What? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I'm so I'm Sorry, very so. much interested. So, Somehow we're... Jose Gonzalez sung when you enter, like, <laughs> Gondor or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right when you enter uh, one of the orc encampments, this beautiful guitar. South of the Rio Grande. <laughs> so this, this, gives me, this gives me pause for not only to wonder if it's going to be good or if this is going to be a fall where something does come out late and we go, oh, shit, but if this is a game that's on multiple consoles and it will the gameplay differ on the different generations and just in this year in general it's still weird in that it's a crossover transition year and two of you guys have next gen consoles and the rest of us don't well i'd be playing it on pc 
I mean, we should do a Steam share of that if it's available on Steam. Yeah, I was thinking we should get that on PC for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm getting... I, well, I guess it doesn't apply, but for Mordor, for sure, that would be something we'd want to share to give the chance to all of us to play it. I was going to say... Maybe Alien if it's good? Yeah. Ooh, yeah, That'd that too. One. Far Cry? Yeah, actually, Far that, Cry uh, that works out nicely. There's another... But you can't share Yubi games. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's fucking right. Some and you can't share Dragon stupid. Age, obviously, because it's Origin. Right. <laughs> but those are the only other games coming out, um, aside from Civilization, which Spencer mentioned and I pre-ordered. Um, that I actually also pre-ordered that. Yeah, I'll have that Great. on Steam. I will look forward to siphoning that from you guys. Excellent. Yeah, you get Shadow of Mordor then. Okay, I will. Um, Aaron, I'm surprised you didn't mention Assassin's Creed Unity, because I know you had your eye on that. And Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. I will play every Assassin's Creed game. I'll probably even play Rogue when it's on sale later. Um, I just, that series has always struck a chord with me as far as the gameplay. Like, yeah, it is pretty, it, I don't know. You can expect what an Assassin's Creed game is at this point. Um, so I think Unity, with all of this emphasis on the co-op and the changes and the, the better technology, etc., all that crap that they say when a new generation of a game comes out, will be great. I'm just not going i'm gonna wait and see basically because if the co-op element drastically changes the gameplay then i might be a bit more uh willing to say like hey guys you gotta play this but as of now if you're not really convinced by any of the previous assassin's creed that they are worthwhile games then i doubt that this one's going to change much because it seems to be just a again another better iteration of the same formula yeah so which we see a lot of apparently and yep. no female assassin yeah and then, nope. Can we still harp on that? Should yep. we still harp yeah, on that? Yeah, of course we yes, should. We should. Yeah. There's femship. Yep. There should <laughs> be female assassins, period. The only iteration game, uh, aside from Dragon Age, which I'm just, I'm going to get my hopes up, so I don't care what Tyler says. Um, with Far Cry 4, I really am hoping that that's going to be awesome. I really hope the marketing doesn't ruin that game for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, t- I'm stupid <laughs> elephant trailer, I swear to God. <laughs> Well, the stuff it's that like, they're doing hey, in packs was also really gross. Um, fucking David Attenborough style, like, elephants are one of nature's strongest and largest animals, and then they can wreck jeeps. And that, like, then pre-order at GameStop for... That yeah. actually got my housemate very excited about it, because she wants uh, an elephant to wreck jeeps, I guess. Yeah, so. I mean, the See, trailer was too, funny in that sense, but, like, but it wasn't a good marketing tactic. I guess, and this is me, like, being the fucking buzzkill as usual, but, yep. like... When I, when I think more and more about, like, I want to play games in interesting locations. I don't want to use the word exotic. But, like, right. that's why Far Cry 2 with, like, you have malaria in Africa is really interesting. Because that makes it fucking suck to play that Idle game. thumbs, klaxon. Yeah, I know, right? Steve Gaynor's coming to my house right now to, like, shake my hand. But, um, and, like, Far Cry 3 had this interesting, like, tropical setting. Yeah. Um, but as you get more and more as you play more and more in real world themes like you know poverty and exploitation and corrupt governments and organized crime um you start treating these like places like i guess nepal is where uh far cry 4 is based yeah you know they're not going to be talking about the political elements of nepal no they're going to use it as an excuse to like blow shit up and it's going to be a different background not necessarily talking about the actual struggles or things that are really relevant to real life. Yeah, and oh, wait a yeah. second, just so you know, it's it's cool. The main character is quasi Nepalese looking, so it's fine. That makes it okay. Which is Tokenism better is the solution. than having Brody, the bro, 
being the yeah, white guy main character. Fucking Brody. The fact that that motherfucker's name was Brody. Ah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I I really you're right. There could be an awesome opportunity to take um not just the exotic as they would put it on the box location, but do more with it. And that's kind of yeah. been a theme we've been talking about on podcasts and articles this year, right? Like why or when, not we know why, but when are there going to be more risks in AAA? other than playing it safe and just changing the formula every once in a while, but maybe that's a foolhardy thing to expect at this point. I think it is a foolhardy thing to expect at this point. Yeah, you can always squeeze the tri- so The AAA market is shrinking, and what their reaction to is going to be is doubling down because they still have to make quarterly profits, they still have to make quarterly look good versus actually experiment. Yeah. And Budgets it's going to be the one who experiments. Yeah, it's going to be this, the people who experiment that are going to wind up coming out of it looking better. But yeah. I don't know who's going to be brave enough to do that. Yeah. And like I feel like Far Cry Three has got me is the reason why I'm nervous because that had so much potential too to be a commentary about like these waspy you know privileged twenty somethings like basically just going crazy in an impoverished nation and like having the time of their lives and like not giving a shit yeah and you bring breakers like, so, on road trip yeah yeah basically <laughs> and by the end of the game Brody is this killing machine who's just like completely conquered this island and there was no. There was, it felt like it was building up to something about, like, almost in a Heart of Darkness style. Mm-hmm. And it just completely fell apart. Well, again. that just still builds off of my complaint that I've had since Bioshock 2, which is I want AAA games, or I want these games where they try and tackle these subjects to not then elbow the subjects out of the way for a room for killing. Because if you're going to yeah. try and do a treatment like that, or even Tomb Raider, like, how can you, or, you know, the Uncharted games, like, how can you rectify this character in the cutscenes with how many bodies you're stacking high in the game it's it's a dangerous maybe dangerous is a strong word but it's a dangerous and fine line that triple a is trying to walk right now with introducing these interesting uh characters or situations or far cry being the good example that we're talking about of we'll put it uh white people on an island and they're partying but then people die what happens and then here's a story set in kind of Kathmandu and nepal and this fictional section of that like well is there anything political going to be discussed doubt it so by doing this it's like taking advantage of this feeling that we want more from these games but not willing to deliver on it and maybe that's why as far as triple a games that i'm looking forward to I'm kind of looking forward to the ones that are playing it safe in the sense of narrative. Like, Shadow of Mordor is pretty cut and dry. You can't get any more cut and dry fantasy than that. You've got classic yeah. bad orc dudes, and you've got hero uh, ranger guy. He kills him. What's up? Like, you don't really have to worry about the political element of that, which mm-hmm. sucks because there should be more of those games that introduce, like we talked about on the podcast with uh, Hardline Battlefield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like the poster child of poor decision making. Yeah, there should be more of that forethought being put into the AAA uh, plots and narratives, but it's not. So that's why maybe I'm retreating in my own styles and taste and so excited for something like Dragon Age because it's dependable. I can look at that and go, maybe it's not going to be a great, great game or it's an okay Bioware game, but I know what I'm going to get out of it and I'm not going to be disappointed by it necessarily. And like there have been AAA games historically that have taken some risks on like shedding some you know dimensions of humanity on these things like mirror's edge is a great example mm-hmm. 
of a game that found ways to avoid shooting dudes constantly and actually made that like a chore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there are ways to like talk about you know uh, the the impact of a corporate run plutocracy on society. Like Mirror's, Mirror's Edge did a great job of that. Deus Ex has done a good job of that in the past. Mm-hmm. It's so I think it's I think it's a matter of when. But I think that there's just too much trepidation right now about budget sizes and like the ability to deliver something that will resonate. Well, yeah, look, it'll it will... be what seven years probably before the next Mirror's Edge is out between those yeah, games. At least forty three until Beyond Good and Evil Two. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be oh. dead by then. <laughs> waka waka. Can't wait for Goaty twenty fifty seven. That's um, dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's the dog signal. So, uh, guys, do you have any other last thoughts before we wrap up here? Any last games that bear mentioning? I would just want to ask you guys, if you're recommending one thing that you can pick up right now, that besides, besides Shovel Knight, because I think I'm going to get that no matter what, but what other title should I look at that you think will make the list? Hmm. Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri. Fuck, I slipped up again. I mean, <laughs> Civilization Beyond Earth. I am, I am predicting it now as you're writing the article for the Game of the Year or whatever. It's every reference, instead of saying Beyond Earth, is just going to, in a Freudian slip, say Alpha Centauri. So much strength. I'm going to space two. I'm going to s- submit my, uh, my Game of the Year article, and then somebody's going to notice, and it's going to be the exact same article I write for our... Um, our upcoming 10 games that impacted <laughs> us. It's like the same thing as Alpha yeah. Centauri from that. You're going to change it after I've changed all the references right before it posts back. To right Alpha back. Centauri. Yeah. Right back. Yeah. Revert. Uh, um, Doug, I would say, and we didn't actually get around to talking about this, but uh, jazz punk mm. is okay. a game that you should play. Yep. Um, I don't know if Nick wants to briefly elaborate on why, but I need to also play that. Jazz Punk is uh, (laughs) postmodern, surreal, trippy, Mm. um, clever, sardonic, non-sequitur filled, non-linear kind of, Mm. absurd, funny as hell. Uh, It surprises and delights like no other game I've played this year. And I think that is why it deserves to be checked out. It's just... It's always five steps ahead of you, and it's so damn clever. The feeling yeah. of it was set in this, this you're playing a spy character, and it's in the 60s and the Cold War, and that's really all of that plot that matters. Um, yep. None of it actually matters in the end. But it almost feels like with that tone and that irreverence, like the developers of No One Lives Forever took a bunch of drugs and then yeah. did a game jam in 24 hours, and then that's what came out of it. So if that doesn't sell it, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah. <laughs> if that doesn't sell it for you, then I don't know what will. But yeah, that sounds amazing. I guess I, I I have a couple recommendations. I'm sorry. The one that I think you should play above all else is just Shovel Knight because I think that <laughs> yep. uh, there's like we said, there's a lot to that game that really I think deserves commendation. Um, but beyond that, um. God, you know, I'm torn because, like, I've only played a little bit of Transistor, and I can't tell if that's a very, very smart, rich combat system or kind of just a broken mess of a game. I have, I'm actually in the same boat. I, I really need to sit down and feelings. finish it. Yeah, I'm disappointed by that game. So I, I want to finish it. I don't think it's as good as Bastion, though, so in that case, probably skip it. 
Um, I wouldn't skip it. I would just, I mean, depends on how good it is. Yeah, I, I guess I guess is what it comes down to. Um, and I mean, like we said, uh, Broken Age and Kentucky Route Zero did not ship this year, so you can hold off on those because those yeah. will be our game of the year. <laughs> and then probably yeah. uh, the other one, uh, Massive Chalice, as well, will be coming out next year too. Yeah, <sighs> although I do want to play Hack and Slash. Mm. That's out now. Another double fine game. Okay. Uh, Anything yeah, else that you guys are looking forward to that hasn't been mentioned? That hasn't been mentioned. Uh, as far as upcoming releases, no. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Off the wall suggestions. I don't think it's game of the year material, but I really liked Hitman Go. Hmm. I think more people should play Monument Valley so we can talk about whether or not it's a game. Yeah. <laughs> Unreal really Tournament like 2014 is going to upset everything. Surprise number oh, I can't one. Wait. I hope that game delivers. I, I hope so too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's really it. I don't think Assassin's Creed is going to wow anybody. I don't think Sunset Override is going to deliver on the way that we want it to. Yep. I don't think Dragon Age Inquisition can completely salvage how disjointed that series got. Shut up, Nick. I, I'm playing too. No, I'm you're finally right. doing it. It's not. It's not going to change anything, but it's I'm a, going to enjoy it. I think it's really good, though. I think the big takeaway here is that it's just been a weird year. It's yep. Weird yep. Transitional year. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the trans- Watch transitional Dogs year is a big game. I miss Watch Dogs. The idea of it. Yeah, the idea yeah. was such a great game. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of transitions, Thief, Titanfall, uh, Watch Dogs, uh, Destiny. Uh, all these big games that just launched and kind of just yeah. fell in the seventies for reviews, like yeah. yeah, it's been a week. I think our expectations as a society have been shifting quickly, and developers haven't been able to keep up just because of the way the hardware rolled out, and their companies haven't really adjusted in their mm-hmm. structure. Well, they they, the they needed to they needed to bank on the built in customer base of the current or the old gen systems, the PS3 and 360, but also try and support like in seed the next gen and it's just a compromise and a compromise yep. is never going to be perfect mm-hmm. meanwhile nintendo's just shipping bangers left and right so. <laughs> yet they're not good enough to be considered yeah. the game of the year yeah well, that's, that's where we're at hmm. well on the um, um, uh, smash brothers is going to move systems yeah. i mean maybe it's not going to suddenly put the the wii u into first place but it's going to move systems I mean, on that note, I think we're just going to determine that we're going to um, just not do a game of the year this year and just hold out everything for 2015, it sounds like. We could just do a top ten list of our biggest regrets. That's probably more useful. One is that through related f- to games or what? One through five for me is Colonial Marines and then... <laughs> yeah, every year. Six, six through ten is, is World of Warcraft and then, boom, article done. Oh, I meant regrets that we didn't make on the list before. But yeah, I could talk all about Just Cause 1. Yeah, we we could do that. We Too could do human. a uh, our missed Assassin's game of Creed the years. 3? Assassin's Creed 1? Oh, come on. Anyway. I liked one a lot. I actually like that. Let's talk about that. But after the cast is done, I think uh, yeah. we're yeah. just about done here. Yeah, yep. we already lost everybody. Yep. But yep. if you're still listening, thank you. Uh, we thanks, hope you Mom. Find this illuminating. Yeah, <laughs> thanks to Aaron's mom. <laughs> My mom doesn't even listen posts. to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah guys thanks again for joining me uh i forgot to mention this at the beginning of the podcast but if for some reason this is your first time listening my name is nick cummings i sometimes introduce podcasts uh <laughs> as for the rest of you guys uh, i'm at nick cummings on twitter ymog w-h-y-m-o-g on platforms but you guys tell them where they can find you on the internet get me aaron at at aaron there on the twitters and a they on most networks uh a dash they on playstation network if you want to play some destiny because nick isn't a high enough level yet to roll with this guy so i'm trying help a brother I'm out. too much skyward sword oh my god i i mean i'm proud of you but it's not <laughs> 2011 anymore or 2011 anymore yeah Shit. yeah wait fuck are you serious it's not oh 2011 anymore anyway Spencer, where are you at? I am at Spencer Tordoff on Twitter. Uh, if you really, for some reason, want to play a game with me, uh, hit me up there, because I will send you my long, arcane handle uh, that I use on almost mm-hmm. every platform. That's uh, two-factor identification. Yeah, you, you got you to get verified. you got to get past the bouncer. It's a whole thing. Um, uh, my site for my show is playeraccounts.net, where I am uh, actually, I need to sit down and schedule an interview and otherwise um, find more people. It's good stuff. To talk you guys to. should check out that, that podcast if you haven't. It's real good. And then uh, finally, I actually just earlier this week posted a uh, retrospective on PAX. I'm actually pretty proud of it. I, I feel like it came out pretty well. So uh, that's on our just silicon uh Come have a look. And Doug, where can the good people find you? I am on Twitter at Douglas Bonham. You can find me in Tokyo if you just look up and look for the tallest person around. <laughs> um, the tallest, whitest person Doug is, around. Doug is a kaiju. They used him <laughs> yeah. to promote the new Godzilla movie. Yeah, Gaijin kaiju. Well, I've, I've, I've joked <laughs> on a recent picture on Instagram, D. Bonham on there if you want to try and follow me um, and see interesting, weird pictures of Japan, that the only two big only two things in the general Tokyo area bigger than me are the Daibutsu at Kamakura, the big Buddha, and then the Tokyo Sky Tree, which is like the second tallest tower in the world. Uh, huge in Japan. Big in Japan. Literally. <laughs> but yeah, um, at Harper DC on PSN, even though I never play games online, at Douglas Bonham on Twitter is probably the best way to get a touch. And. Yeah, I published an article this year yelling about gamer or this week. <laughs> Freudian, <laughs> Freudian slip, slip. slip yep. saying published this year finally. Um, being a cranky, cranky person about Gamergate, which I think is justified, and I'll have some stuff up this next week that'll be a bit more introspective and less with creative new swears in it. Because that cool. that other article definitely had a couple of creative new swears in it. Yeah. Good job, Doug. Yay. I guess in terms of what I'm working on, I've got a big kind of look at state of the developer events I've gone to framed around the big Unity conference I went to last month. And uh, that runs on Monday, probably about the same time this podcast goes up. Mm-hmm. So I'd uh, love to hear your guys' thoughts on that, especially if you work on games as a hobby or, or you're a very low-budget indie like me. Um, love to hear your thoughts and start a conversation there. Um Gentlemen, thank you for joining me once again. Always a good conversation. And uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening. Silicon Sasquatch is an independent blog covering the social and cultural significance of games based in Portland, Oregon. Our five team members are Doug Bonham, 
Nick Cummings, Tyler Martin, Aaron Thayer, and Spencer Tordoff. This episode of the Squatchcast was produced by Nick Cummings. We publish new essays, editorials, analyses, and everything in between all the time at siliconsasquatch.com. Follow along on Facebook at facebook.com slash siliconsasquatch, or on Twitter, where we are at sasquatchgaming. If you enjoyed our show, please tell your friends and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode. 